Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom McCarthy. So happy to be with you. It is Ben Bailey week here at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. So excited to have him coming to town here at the tail end of the week. Had a great conversation with him. We'll bring that up shortly. Got to let you know about a busy, busy week. As always here at the castle, wanted to mention too, let's start, let's start off with some accolades for the club itself and the staff and everyone who who helps make these shows go off so smoothly but the comedy castle we we just finished i believe eight sold out shows in a row and we've had big crowds all fall but the number of people are coming out the amount of staffing and teamwork that it takes to make these shows come off it's amazing i love seeing the behind the scenes uh i was at the club on sunday I opened up the Michael Rappaport shows, which were terrific. And just seeing that club and that staff work like a fine-tuned machine is really cool to watch. So shout out to all the staff at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Mary and Bill, Dave, Joel, Andre. And I know I'm forgetting too many of you, but you do a fantastic job. It's not lost on me. It's not lost on our patrons. So... With that being said, we've started off with a little bit of accolades and boasting here on this staff. Let's let you know what's going on. This week, the week of November 7th at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, Tuesday the 8th, Election Day. Put your I Voted stickers on and come out and see us for the Detroit to L.A. Comedy Competition, 7.30 p.m. Upcoming in aspiring comics, competing for cash prizes and stage time in Los Angeles. It's the most popular ongoing contest around and we love bringing it to you that's tuesday the 8th wednesday the 9th it is a private event don't even ask about it don't even think about showing up just pretend i didn't even say anything about that so wednesday the 9th is a private event and then thursday the 10th through saturday the 12th four or five shows the great ben bailey thursday show will be at 7 30 p.m the early show at 7 15 Late shows at 9.45, and then on Saturday, the 12th of November, 7 p.m. is the early show. 9.30 is the late show. You can call the castle at 248-542-9900 if you have ticketing questions or needs. Better yet, go directly to the website at comedycastle.com. You can purchase your tickets right there. It is very simple, and we encourage you to do so. And I will say this too, with the ring, with the run of sellouts we've we've been having, and 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 the quality and caliber of the comics coming to town, Ben Bailey's a big name act. So many people know him from his TV show Cash Cab. Uh, he's got a lot of fans in the area. Do not dilly dally on tickets. If you have an interest in going to the show, and we certainly hope that you do, go to the website right now. Secure your tickets. Um, before I set up Ben's interview, I just did want to mention a couple of other things about uh, about Sunday night. They are on my mind, and I thought maybe some of you listeners would find them interesting. I just want to talk a little bit about the Michael uh, Rappaport shows. So Michael, in my opinion, is is kind of a good example of the new type of act that we're seeing at comedy clubs. And I'm putting air quotes around new, but what you're seeing at a lot of comedy clubs across America and, and, and right here at the castle is you have a lot of people who have fame, stardom, uh, followings outside of the traditional comedy club network, the traditional stand up, uh, uh, stand up comics network. 
And Michael's a great um, Michael's a great example of that actor, director, um, personality. He's got a huge internet following. Uh, he's very outspoken. He calls himself uh, he calls himself a notorious shit speaker <laughs> and shit talker. I guess is how he, he refers to himself. But anyhow, I would say the majority of the people who know Michael Rappaport know him um, in ways other than comedy. And we have a lot of acts like that out there now. It's just the way entertainment has changed, the way the world's changed, social media. And on one hand, and I don't want to be a hypocrite because I've opened up uh, many shows here at the castle and other clubs and, and, and have received pay for opening up for some internet celebrities. Uh, so I, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, but as someone it's taken me so long to develop a stand up act. It takes so long for myself personally, the amount of time that goes into every five minutes of, of comedy. Uh, it's, it's extraordinary. You, you just really see the tip of the iceberg when you, when you see performance and you see the stuff coming out. So I'm, I'm biased and that's important to me, the, the, the art and craft of stand up. With that being said, Hey, whatever you need to do to make a living, ring the cash register, more power to you. And it's been great for the clubs, but, and here's, here's the point I'm getting to, believe me, I'm getting there. A lot of, a lot of the acts that I've opened for that come from the reality TV world or, um, you know, our TikTok celebrities, they don't have an act per se. They, they charge 30 bucks a ticket and, and you show up and you basically watch a Q and a, and they'll tell, They'll tell a few funny stories behind the scenes of an episode you may like, and uh, and that's it. And boom, that was the show. Those, to me, um, that's not my cup of tea. Obviously, there's a, a market out there for it, and uh, we do very well with some of those shows that are booked here at the castle. So it's just how things have changed. But when you get someone the level of Ben Bailey, Michael Rappaport, stars people with some fame and celebrity that came from outside the stand-up network, but then they do stand-up themselves, you always kind of, you know, maybe a little bit cynical view. Okay, let's see how this guy is. And I can tell you from the Michael Rappaport shows, he was terrific. He had an act. It was polished. It was funny. I'm telling you, most of the people were there because they know Michael Rappaport. He sold out two shows. However, if he was just a, a, a no-name, run-of-the-mill comic who just happened to be on the bill that night, the people would have been entertained in the same way. He was that funny. He was that good. Ben Bailey is the same is the same way. I did not know, and you'll hear us talking about that, until I did the deep dive and research for this show, I didn't realize the comedy chops he had and how far back he, he, he began as a stand-up. Uh, almost a 30-year career now in stand-up. And listening to his material... Knowing this guy only from his TV show, he was terrific. Great writer, um, great delivery, uh, kind of a unique style. I really, really loved it. And, and by the way, don't let me forget, make sure you pick up, uh, make sure you do pick up all of his stuff. But Road Rage and Accidental Ornithology, and Accidental Ornithology, do I have that right? What a great record. That's the one that I did the deep dive on for. So I think I've made my point. A lot, don't judge the book by the covers. A lot of these people that you may know from TV or podcasting or what have you, they are legitimate stand-ups with terrific acts, and we're happy to bring them to you. Michael couldn't have been nicer. And on top of everything, an added bonus for, for those of you who are listening in the Detroit area or Southeast Michigan, legendary Detroit Piston bad boy Rick Mahorn and his wife uh, were guests of Michael's, and and they hung out in the green room with us, and I, and I got to talk 
basketball with one of my all-time favorite Pistons, Rick Mahorn. Wow, was it a cool night out. And, and thank you to all of you who came out on Sunday. It was a terrific night. Oh, my goodness. Tommy's just rambling here as we're setting up as we're setting up the interview for this week. Ben Bailey, you know him from Cash Cab. People here in the Southeast Michigan area know him from the DTE Energy, our big energy uh, company here. Uh, the uh, commercials he's been doing for them for a number of years. He's kind of ubiquitous uh, in, in these parts a little bit. So that's mainly uh, that's mainly how you know him. You're going to know him a lot more for his stand-up, uh, I believe, in the coming years. Uh, I think that's, that's the direction. Uh, we learn a little bit about it in the interview, what the future of Cash Cab is, and what Ben's uh, plans are for the future. Uh, a good starting point too is he's got a he's got a new show that airs on YouTube on Sunday nights at nine o'clock called the Big News Show, kind of a podcasty type thing that I can't recommend highly enough. Uh, he's got um, he's got several things out there. Again, I, I pulled down uh, the album uh, that I mentioned um, uh, off of uh, iTunes, and I saw it on Apple Music, uh, Road Rage, and the Accidental Ornithologist. I keep gosh. Why am I even attempting to say that word? I've butchered it. I think I butchered it in the interview, too. <laughs> well, I guess we're about to find out. I've set up the interview. Let me shut up for once. Hit play on Ben Bailey. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, on the other end of my line, I I always say this when it's a big star like you, Ben, but I don't think you need any introduction. But here it is. The star of Cash Cab, the star of DTE Energy Commercials, Ben Bailey. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm flattered. You call me a big star. Well, you you don't know how big DTE Energy is here in, 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 in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pretty good idea. It's probably only grown since I was there doing those spots. <laughs> Did you do Ford spots, too? I was trying to... I, I, I know... It seems like I've seen Ford? you on another no. ad, but... No, uh, Ford is Mike Rowe. Oh, that's right, Mike Rowe. People well, mix us up all the time. It happens to me almost every day of my life. Oh, my apologies. I've I've never met know, Mike, but fine. you seem infinitely cooler. <laughs> well, I, you'd say that to him if you were talking to him, I'll bet. Well, of course I would. It's showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got I've to admit that, and I'm sure you hear this from other people, but, you know, most of us know you from cash cab i i didn't realize until i started prepping for the interview the depth of your stand-up career and first of all how how good the the most recent album uh i'm going to start off by recommending this to our listeners right right off the bat road rage and the accidental ornithology or ornithologist it's <laughs> it, it is terrific it is oh, thank you I, I, I wanted to learn more about you, and as it turns out, I, I learned a ton about birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an accidental ornithologist as well, then. Ex accident or ornithologist. Boy, <laughs> is that a mouthful. But So I've, I, I'm a stand-up as well, and I always love seeing how the sausage is made and, and hearing how bits come together. But when you were doing the most recent special and, and, and figuring out what you were going to put in that hour – did it just turn out that you had a lot of material about birds or did you, did you find it was a, a good thread to move through it? It always turns out that I have a lot of material about birds. I have another special that has a bunch of bird stuff. That's actually not my most recent special. Oh. My most recent special is called live and uncensored. Oh, uh, which I shot in Chicago in 2017, but 
I mean, you can only see little bits of it online. There's no place to watch the whole thing yet. I'm thinking about putting it out there, but well, that's you know, I I, I swear in that in that special, I I don't do dirty material, but I like to swear when I talk. I'm kind of like a blue collar kind of guy, really, and I and I like to swear when I talk, and it's off putting to some people in the audience. I'm always like on the fence about should I swear, should I not swear, because I can work clean very easily. Uh, on the album I, I listened to that did cross my mind because there were a few shits in there and I think I was about 35 minutes in and there was an F-bomb but um, it is you know obviously knowing you from the show you're every guy you're you're you're, you're very um, um, you're very welcoming you're just you're just the type of person that someone in a cab could talk to but cabbies swear too don't they oh god yeah <laughs> sure they do yeah but you know it's funny you say that I'm I think I'm I'm more welcoming on Cash Cab than I am as a comedian because I had already, you know, by the time people are like Cash Cab fans are checking out my stand up, like you kind of mm-hmm. did, and went, oh, wow, this guy's actually a comedian. I've been doing stand up for a long time. Like, I'm, I'm almost at 30 years in this business, and uh, everybody knew me from Cash Cab and expected me to be that same guy. It's like, but, I, but I'm not hosting a game show, I'm doing comedy in a nightclub, you know? I came up to the clubs in New York when they were rough. It was there. There were small crowds. It was late night. It was you know, you had to like hit them over the head with it. <laughs> so that's where I. That's where my stand-up background kind of comes from. So it was a little bit of a shell shock for some people to come out and see me live when they knew me from Cash Cab at first. You know. Well, yeah, and it's and it's an interesting journey too because if I understand the timeline correctly, you were a bouncer at the world famous comedy store out in L.A. And through that exposure, some people encouraged you to get on stage. And then when you got your feet underneath you, you moved back to the East Coast. Do I kind of have the how it came together properly? Yeah. Yeah. I did all kinds of jobs at the store. I was a bouncer when they needed a bouncer as a bartender. They needed a bartender. I opened uh, open. I answered the phones uh, in the green room at that. When I was there, the green room and where the uh, receptionist sat were the same so yeah <laughs> that's how that's how i ended up getting into comedy is i got a job there answering the phones i i think probably two things then then that people wouldn't realize about you you know a, a, a lot of us who know you through the through the tv show is obviously your background in stand-up but also in stature you're you're a big guy you're you're kind of built for the bouncer role you kind of uh you kind of seem like a teddy bear a little bit but i would not want to piss you off <laughs> you you're de- i'd never <laughs> realized that offended. until i listened to the material and also i saw a clip of you i was like holy cow he's big yeah i'm six just under six six probably at this point about 230 so i'm a pretty big dude i guess <laughs> if i stand by the door people start showing me their ids <laughs> <laughs> did you ever did you ever have to get physical with anyone at the comedy store or is it one of those rooms that policed itself uh i never got physical with anyone at the comedy store except one of the other bouncers and i like to wrestle <laughs> <laughs> we had like a cato uh Clouseau kind of thing where we have just you know, if the other guy didn't see you coming, he could just deck him. That's how young I was back then. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing that now. But uh... I, I love, I love the Pink Panther reference. You know what? What scares me is we're, we're we're about the same age. That for anybody who has a comedic mind, the Peter Sellers Pink Panther movies were so iconic, and fewer and fewer people know about them. I, I was talking yeah. to someone in a, in a green room a couple of weeks ago. Uh, referencing Peter Sellers, and he's like, I kind of know who he is. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. The, young, the, 
the, the younger generations, you know, they're so flooded with content at this point. Right. How are they ever have a second to go and catch up with stuff that, you know, that meant something to us and to our parents, like, unless we make them do it, <laughs> you know, we have to turn them onto it, I guess. Cause it's like, stuff's going to get lost. There's just like a zillion new things constantly right now oh absolutely it's uh you know I, I try and weigh the good and bad about the the changes the generational changes and, and things yeah. are always progressing whether we want them to or not but i think <laughs> for a comic now just the exposure you can get if you you know if you've got something that catches fire on social media all of a sudden you're getting booked but like you're yeah, saying business is now. <laughs> oh yeah it's 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 crazy how and, and, and kudos to the people who are who are able to do that but i also Comics when I was a kid were so larger than life. When I would see Name Your Comic come on The Tonight Show, I would hyperventilate with excitement. And I just don't think, what generates excitement like that anymore, just because of the amount of content out there? Yeah, I don't know, but stand-up is huge. It's so much bigger than it ever has been before now. It's crazy, uh, in a good way, you know? I mean, oh. when I started, it was there was nobody in the clubs. The comedy store, there'd be like, 10 people in there, you know, on a, on a weeknight, we'd have to try to get people in. There's all these promotions and everything. And you'd end up, you know, doing sets for very few people. Uh, and then the same at the cellar in New York, when I moved back home and went, went into New York, the, you know, weeknights would try, we're dragging people in. Now they're turning people away. They, they do like 60 shows a week or something. Oh, it's, it's, and they're turning people away. Like they have, more people coming than they can handle even now that they've expanded they have like four different stages at the cellar now i mean the store always had the three but oh and that's you know we're kind of experiencing that here at the comedy castle the comedy castle has been my home club for the better part of 10 years now and we're awesome. coming off i believe we had eight sellouts in a row this past week and that's amazing that's fantastic. I hope we continue that streak through the weekend. Oh, I think we're, I think we're going to. That's. I, I was curious to know, do you have a performance history with the castle? Um, I was trying to find through the notes if you had been there before, but I didn't find anything. Have you, have you played there before? I have. I've been there. I haven't been there since, I think, 2018. Okay, so it's, it, it's uh, been a few years. COVID, but, uh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there before and had a great time. That's kind of a, a a good segue to one of one of the curiosities I had about you and your and your stand up career is, you know, un, unless you have the worst accountant in the world or or have been terrible with your money, you're one of those comics that has kind of reached the level of showbiz where I wouldn't imagine you have to tour a day in your for the rest of your life if you don't want to. But looking at your <laughs> schedule here, you're out there quite a bit. You've you've got a lot coming up. Um, it's some of your contemporaries, the whole goal of getting big is so they don't have to do stand up anymore. Was that ever a consideration for you or, or did you ever take more than uh, a few months off even when the show was at its uh, absolute peak? I took time off during, while we were making cash cab because I couldn't do both. It was too much. The cash cab shoot schedule and, and the, the way that we produced that show is just so overwhelming and exhausting that I just couldn't do anything. I, mm -hmm. I tried. I would go to the clubs and like, okay, I'm going to do, but I'd just be like falling asleep at mm -hmm. table. Like, all right, I, I got to go to bed. Um, but no, I've, since then, I haven't really, other than the COVID time, which I didn't really take off. I did a live streaming show for Cherries that whole time. I love doing stand-up, man. I need it. It's not like I could, you know, I want to break from it. I, it's like, 
I have to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, like I said, I love it. I, you know, I'm going to keep doing it until I like literally can't anymore. Oh, the feedback of a live of, of a live crowd too. I would think with with your shooting schedule and just the nature of the show and how it's edited down. I'd be willing to bet that you don't necessarily know when you're in the moment if these are going to be good contestants. Is this one going to make it? Are we? What are we going to edit here? But in stand-up, the feedback is so immediate. You you know when when a bit lands. I've got to imagine that's kind of the gratifying part of still being on stage. Yeah, well, that's you know the the feedback that you get is pretty pretty hard to match anywhere. You know, doing anything. I imagine if you're like a professional athlete and. You know, you hear the roar of the crowd, it's kind of similar, but there's not too many places where you can get that, and that's definitely something that I appreciate and that I I can really relish when it's happening at this point in my life. But but it's not my motivation. You know, I, I like to write. Mm-hmm. I want to write stuff. I, when I come up with an idea, when a joke, an idea for a joke hits me, it's like it's maybe the most exciting part of it for me. And and making it into something great, uh, and then the rest is gravy. Getting to show it off, you know, it's like it's like building something and then showing it to people. <laughs> kind of how it feels to me, you know. I mean, and just performing the being up there and the and the talking and the part of it now for me, honestly, is the focus that I get from it. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> got to be a certain age to appreciate that. <laughs> Well, you know, from 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 listening to from listening to the album, and yes, I I still call everything an album. I don't think I'll ever change. But I mean, it, it's a it's a, it's observational. It's approachable. You know, everyone's going to get it. But it's also very it's thinking man stuff too. And 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 my hunch was is if you didn't get into showbiz. I could see you as like a history professor or maybe an English professor. There's a lot of stuff that goes into your bits. And I really, as, as, as a fellow comic, I really appreciate that. The time it must take to structure five minutes from you for you has got to be extraordinary. Wait, what was that last part? Well, I was going to say just, you know, the average five minute bit, how much construction goes into that. That's got to take right. you a couple months to even polish five minutes with just how clever and how much you put in there. Oh, thank you. Well, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, man. Sometimes it just uh, it's like a song. I I play music and write music and stuff too, and I sometimes it just pours out of you. You know, it it depends on the day. The other day I came down here. I'm in my office now, and I I had a little idea, and then I just just sat here and wrote stuff until my arm was tired. It's just yeah. pouring. Everything I thought of was coming through as a bit, you know? Yeah. Well, it doesn't happen like that every day. That's like, <laughs> that's pretty rare. So is it, isn't it funny too? Sometimes I'm, I'm, it all comes at once, you know, and, but then it could still evolve from there, I guess. But oh, sometimes you get the whole thing in one, you know, I think I'm, I'm somewhat musical myself. I was in bands growing up and I still tinker here and there. And there is something to be said, you know, the old saying, don't bore us, get to the chorus. You know, when, when you approach songwriting that way, that mentality does carry over to stand up to a certain extent, you know, hit them over the head with how solid the premise is and then keep building, building from there. Um, you know, some people like to build a, a big elaborate bit and the payoff is at the very end. Um, a good example of you kind of hitting right up your premise about kind of the awkward human interaction of 
you know, someone asks you for directions, you give it to them, and then lo and behold, you end up walking down the block next to them. I just had an interaction like that a couple of weeks ago. I was laughing so hard on that. But you start off with a great premise, but five minutes later, it's still going, and it's a terrific bit. Thank you. I appreciate that. That one's based in reality, like most of the stuff, oh, you know, especially stuff that really sticks with you. But, uh, yeah, I... I don't know, man. That's that's what I like about it. I that's I want to go as far as I can go. Like, and they if they if the if the line keeps coming, I kind of got in the habit of like, all right, if I'm doing the bit, I might as well be open to maybe there's if something else comes to me at the end while I'm on stage performing it, then I'll say it. You know, mm-hmm. what, what what have I got to lose? I wanted to I wanted to ask you something that's been on my mind quite a bit the, the this past week is. The, the the type of comic who, for better or for worse in their career, they reach the level of celebrity and fame. And some people find it a curse, some a blessing, some some a little bit of both. But uh, over the weekend, we had Michael Rappaport in town, and I opened the shows for him on Sunday. Could have been nicer. Uh, could not have been nicer. I, I want to make sure that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he could have been nicer. No, he could not have been nicer. But someone at his level, after... He was out the door with his hoodie over his head 30 seconds after saying goodnight, just because he did not, he just didn't feel like interacting, which is absolutely his right. And he was staying within a walking distance of the club. He was out the door into the, into the Royal Oak, Michigan night, uh, before anyone knew that he wasn't you know going to be out in the lobby. And when right. I think of you and the success of your show and, and also the fact now knowing that you're physically kind of a, a big guy, you is it a burden to be on all the time? Because if, if someone comes up to Ben Bailey and you're a jerk to him, in today's world, you'll, you'll never live it down. I'm curious yeah. how it's affected you. What's that, the, the cancel culture kind of thing? Celebrity and fame. Um, do you feel obligated well, it, to always no, be on? Are, you, uh, are there times when you're not? It's, it's interesting. I'm definitely not a guy who's always on. Mm-hmm. I find it exhausting to to be that to be the person one of those people or to be around one of those people. Right. It's just constantly. Once in a while on the road, I'll get a young comic who either opens or 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 is friends with someone who opens and comes and hangs out and feels like they have to show me how funny they are. And <laughs> I'm just like, man, you need to go away. You are making me crazy. Maybe you're funny, but like, you're not going to make your career here tonight at this restaurant or whatever, you know. But I, I'm not a guy who's always on it. I, I, in fact, and I am, I'm also, I suffer from a condition called resting psycho face. <laughs> <laughs> I get that uh, occasionally. So if I'm not like laughing, smiling, I look serious. People think I'm angry or hate them or something. So I think it can be a little bit off putting. Uh, and, and the celebrity of that, that's come with cash cab has been both a burden and a blessing, mm-hmm. a hindrance, I should say, and a blessing. A blessing in that people know who I am and they'll come to see me do stand-up. And a hindrance in a way that they don't necessarily know me as a comedian when they do that. And then they come out and go, okay, this guy's a real comedian, uh, but he's not exactly the guy that I thought I knew from the show, you know? like Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, if you look back at some of my earlier stand-up, I, I had this very specific way that I would deliver my lines. I would come out, and it started with my job application joke, where it's come out and say, yeah, that's a good the one. rule is if you screw up just one too many job interviews, and I, it was a very specific way of delivering it. I'd put an eyebrow up, 
and I'd stand like a, with my head a little tilted, and I wouldn't move. I'd do my whole act that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great. It was killing in the clubs to the point that a couple times other comics were like, could you not do that when, when they had to follow me? Could you just talk instead of doing that thing that you do? Um, but so when I did that for Cash Cat fans, they were like, what is he doing? Yeah. He's not being the guy that we know. Why is he just standing there? You know, because I'm like very animated and open and, and you know. Oh, absolutely. So in, a, in that way, it was different. It was a little bit rough to try to, I had to adapt to this, these new expectations that these crowds had of me. That's so tricky. It was tricky for a while. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's great too, because one of the interesting things about getting to know your material as a stand up is I saw your, before the shows Sunday, they were running your clips and, but I didn't have the audio on. So I could see the clip on the monitor in the green room. And I might add that, your clips ran right before the show began and you were getting your video was getting big laughs. So I don't even know if you need to go through the rigmarole of coming to town. We'll just do the Ben Bailey uh, hologram, but that's fantastic. I can work from home. So yeah. So my first exposure to your standup then was video with no audio. And I'm like, Holy cow, he's a pretty animated guy. He's prancing around the stage and commanding it. And then I experienced just the audio, you know, in my car and on my run listening to the album. And you could tell by some of the applause breaks on the audio that you're doing something very physical. Um, and I would assume that that comes, it comes natural to you or, or, or did you kind of have to learn that art of performance? Uh, it's funny. I think initially it would have come naturally to me, but, but when my standup evolved into that sort of, uh, announcery type thing, I was just, describing all that stuff went away and then mm-hmm. doing my performance that way it was what got me the biggest and most consistent laughs so i did that all the time but then so that special that you were watching that's after i kind of had to adapt to the new expectation of the cash cab fans right. and, and my audiences and i became much more animated and doing voices and you know more more like i am as host of cash cab than I used to be as a comedian. So in the end, it really helped me to sort of open up and show off all these things that I can do. I used to go get mad that people like didn't understand that I could do all these different voices and accents. And I'm like, I realized one day I'm an idiot. I don't do them. So they would, they wouldn't, how would they know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, talking about the, I remember Seinfeld, and I, I think it's I Am Comic, but, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, but, you know, when you're a name, when, when, when you've got a name that the general public is, is, is aware of, sure, that's going to bring people out. And it, it, but at most, it buys you about five to seven minutes on stage. After that, if Jerry Seinfeld's not funny or if Ben Bailey's not funny, it's a real dilemma. So I do think it helps drive people to the shows and have the expectation that they're going to have fun. But if you're not funny, <laughs> all the fame and celebrity in the world isn't going to do you anything. Yes, agreed. Uh, but, but I never I don't I don't feel like I ever had that advantage because I think most of the people that are coming to see me are going, I love this guy in Cash Cab. Let's see if he's any good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I've kind of had to like I, I never got the five to seven minutes. I never. You know, I, maybe I got five seconds <laughs> or half a minute, you know, and I'm not complaining. I think that's a good thing. I think you need to be, you know, you, know, you want to be a comedian. You better be funny. Well, I'm glad you said that, too, because I didn't, you know, I, I didn't look at it from that angle. But, yeah, that would be um, 
that, that would be difficult that, that, you know, if someone looks at it, hey, I like his TV show, but let's see, I'm paying 25 bucks here and $7 for a Bud Light. Let's see if this right. guy's any good. Uh, yeah. That makes the stakes even higher, and I hadn't thought Let's of it like that. He's another one of these guys who had a TV show and is just being a comedian in order to, you know, try to cash in on that or, you know, because they, they didn't know. Um, and I make fun of like, I've been doing this for 20 years, man. This is my This is my life. This is my passion. This is who I am. <laughs> well, one thing, too, that we've noticed, uh, especially if – Following the bookings at, at the Comedy Castle and some of the other big uh, clubs here in the Midwest is you you are seeing a lot of acts who are kind of Internet famous and social media famous. And they, they come up the channels through a, a different way. Yeah. But when they get there on the live stage, a lot of times, Ben, it, and I've been to several of these shows, it becomes more of like a Q&A and they're just telling stories from the show. And it's not it's not stand-up but it's being performed in a comedy club i have so much respect for people like yourself and and, and michael rapaport the the other night seeing his act for the very first time that it's true stand-up whether you had fame or celebrity or people knew your name or not they would be entertained just the same way and i think that's a huge credit to the strength of your material well thank you and, and to, about him he's kind of one of those guys who was famous for not kind of he's a He's a guy who was famous for other things before he yep. ever did stand-up. Yep. But, but I think it comes, his inspiration comes from the right place. Yeah, and He's not like, I'm going to go cash in on my fame. He's like, I really love this. He, like, he didn't discover it until late, but he, <laughs> he loves to do it. And he, so that, it, that it, he had a legitimate, and he had a legitimate act. And I, I hate to say that I was there cynical a little bit. Okay, Mr. Big Shot, let's let's see how you do. And he was great, whether he was an actor, director, or people knew him from, yeah. from, from wherever. So but yeah. And and you did yeah. teach me something useful. So I guess if what you're saying is I should not have run my new twenty five minutes in front of Michael Rappaport in the green room. <laughs> <laughs> is that I why he pulled his hoodie it, over his head and got the hell out of there? I I I, I totally lack self awareness. Maybe that was the reason he ran out into the Royal Oak night. <laughs> it was you. You chased him away. Well, now now you've thrown down the gauntlet. I'm I'm not on the shows this weekend, but I will be there for you to help me with some tags. <laughs> Great. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sure I've enjoyed this. Uh I knew I would, Ben. You've got uh you, you obviously you've got a lot of fans in every big town, but uh we're we're so looking forward to seeing you and I know there'll be uh big shows. Is there anything our listeners need to know about the future of Cash Cab or what uh, what's in store? Is it going to go on uh, in perpetuity? The cash cab is parked at the moment, and I'm not sure it's ever going to be out there rolling around again. But uh, but I've got some other things coming along that people can look forward to. Unfortunately, I can't share any details. But Well, if, if people listen to the album, you've got a New York City yeah, taxi cab's license to fall podcast. back on. <laughs> I have a podcast-type show that I do on YouTube Sunday nights at 9 called The Big News Show. Um... And yeah, I'm out on tour, man. And I'm going to be launching another podcast soon, but I, I can't really mention it because it doesn't exist yet. And I apologize. I made a note of it to ask you about the big new show. And that's the one thing I didn't get to in the interview because I see it right here on your on your bio page. So thank you for yeah. setting the record straight. We'll make sure we plug it and uh, appreciate your time so much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had fun too. Great talking to you, man. Thanks for all the nice things you said. Yep. Safe travels, Ben. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, buddy. Wasn't that fun? 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to say it a lot on this show. I'm not prone to fits of hyperbole. I'm, I'm honest and sincere when I say how much I enjoy speaking to most of our guests. Uh, he's a great example of it. I wish we had more time. Could have, could have chatted all afternoon with him. Cool guy. Great act. If you know him from Cash Cab, come see his stand-up. You will not be disappointed. All right. That is this week's episode. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show and Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Make sure that you share and like, leave a comment, tell your friends about it, subscribe if you haven't already. It will certainly help us out. We'll keep bringing you the biggest names in comedy on a weekly basis. Thank you to Joel Fragamini who produces it and does such a great job for us. Thank you to all of you. Once again, signing off for Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle Podcast, Tom McCarthy. Mm-hmm.